welcome to a very special episode of Two Men in a War Game. I'm your host, Kevin. And I'm the other guy that made it. Uh, I'm Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be uh, Kevin and Paul tonight. Uh, Chris Chris couldn't make it. It's all good. We are going to give Chris the space that he needs. He is going to take the night off. We are going to record because I am pumped. Um. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I've I've been excited to hear you talk about this for for quite a while. Um, I I think everybody's going to enjoy it. I know we're cagey about what we're going to talk about, and then I always think about the fact that it's right in the description anyway, so it's just fucking dumb. So we're going to talk about Warhammer Underworlds tonight, Um, and I'm I'm a little nervous uh, because like I don't want to I don't want to fuck this up, right? Because like I just started replaying the game like mm, a month ago. Um, I can tell you exactly how many games I have back in. I have 17 games back in since I started playing the game again. And that's a lot. I, I guess that is a lot of games. That's right? a lot of games, sir. Yeah, 17 is a lot. Um, and 17 is a lot to play in a, in a month, too, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's a quicker so game. It's a quicker game. It is. It can be. It can be. Um, but I'm, the reason I'm nervous is I don't want to fuck it up, right? Because like, I want to make sure – because the, the game is – it's funny – you look at it on its face, you're like, it's not that complicated a game, but it's an, actually an incredibly complex game for what it is. You know, it, it, and I, that's not to say that it's, it's bad in its complexity. It's just, there's a lot that I could miss or get wrong and I just don't want to miss anything or get it wrong. So I'm a little nervous. Um, but you're professional. We're way, good. You're a professional. Yeah, we believe in you. I'm professional. Yeah. Uh, okay. But before that, we got to yep. talk about Mm, hobby progress so hobby progress for me i have uh painted a full war band for this game the head Hesman's curse um who are fucking awesome by the way uh if you want so good at the models. end of the episode paul uh, yeah if at the end of the episode i'll go over what they do so we can actually i'll probably mention it through the episode as a way to like demonstrate how cool the modern game is but Man, they're cool. Um, but also, I'm painting the Sepulchral Guard, which were actually uh, a series of models that came out in Shadespire. Um, but what happened is they re- they have been releasing new Warhammer Underworld starter sets that are different from what we'll call the season boxes. Mm-hmm. So the season boxes are the the like noun verb. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. This this one is Death Gorge. <laughs> Right. Um, and so, or I guess it's, it's like, it, it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, ver- verb noun, adjective noun. It, anyway, the, I guess they change from season to season, but this one is death gorge. Adjective, uh, this adjective verb, adjective, adjective noun, no. um, or whatever. Who knows? We're not smart. We're not, we're not here to be smart. And Me fail English? That's impossible. I don't know. I don't know speech parts. I was in school 30 some years ago. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Um, they do starter sets too, and the starter sets are cheap. So the starter set that I got at Barnes and Noble is $30, came with the Sepulchral Garden and some Stormcast Warband I don't care about. Um, and the, the reason this is important is because they come with the new cards that update them and bring them into the sort of modern era of the game, which is really cool. And I always have, I still, I, the Sepulchral Garden now, they're like seven year old models, and I'll still maintain they're some of the best skeleton models that any, per, company has ever done it's just you know no one is no one is we're never questioning games workshops ability to make pretty models it's kind of there's a lot of things to question making pretty models not really one of them right um and there's they're still great and the fact that they have good rules now i started painting them because i like painting skeletons 
I know, and what? I've liked you Pain and know. I well, I mean, you know me. I've liked Pain and Skeleton since we met. Uh, I know. So like, yeah. I mean, I mean, vampire counts were my were my army in in Warhammer Fantasy. So I love painting undead. I love painting skeletons, and so I'm painting those now. And so I'm halfway through that warband. I finished the ghosts. They're like night haunt models. The mm-hmm. head heaven's curse. Uh, also, I've been really uh diving into brewing commoner decks for flesh and blood um i have found a really cool creative outlook or outlet in brewing decks for commoner commoner is a format that only uses common cards so decks run between six and eleven dollars um and the restriction of only being able to use common common cards i find that restriction to actually be sort of like a really cool way to actually engage my creativity because you know, you know how it is, right? You know, you put a limitation on something and it kind Mm -hmm. of actually forces you to be more creative and think a little bit harder. And so I've uh, been going through and trying to brew the best commoner deck I can for every hero and having a lot of fun with that, especially trying to get my local community on board with playing more commoner because it's an accessible and fun format to play the game. So yeah, those are the, those are, Oh, and one other thing. So I have a five-year-old daughter. She's five now. Who's crazy? Oh my um, god! Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I know. Jeez. Um, and so we. She's been taking an interest in me playing Lorcana. So um, my wife really likes Lorcana. Our older daughter likes Lorcana. Our younger daughter is like, I want to play. And so she's in a point now where she's starting to do sight reading. So she's getting sight words. And so Ooh. what I did was I used the Lorcana deck builder to narrow down and search for cards that have single keywords. <coughs> Excuse okay. me. And the reason I did that is because we're using the single keywords as sight words. Ooh, <coughs> gotcha. <coughs> right. <clears throat> so I'm calling it low reading Lorcana. <laughs> and so, because there's a lot of cards, with a lot of text, but there's also a lot of cards with zero, zero text to keyword text. So okay. if a card has rush, you, she can, she can read the word rush as a sight word. And, you know, she's five. She's smart. We, when I explain what rush means, she knows it. So when she reads rush on a card as a sight word, she knows what that does in the game. And so I've designed decks to teach her how to play Lorcana so that she can play without having to feel overwhelmed by the fact that she can't read the cards that have two or three sentences on them. Ease. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, um, so I that's greatly approve of that. Mm, I'm having a good time with it, but that is my exhaustive hobby progress. Uh, I've been doing a lot too. Um, I have worked on, well, surprisingly enough, I've been working on a lot of conquest stuff. Um, I finished my thunder riders, which have now been on the table twice. Um, sick. uh, They're, scary looking so people tend to try and take them out which also then means that everybody else can do what they need to do uh Mm -hmm. so i think that's one of those like fair trades for now but good lord the the time i only was able to deliver them for impact attacks they were devastating so i can't imagine like when i get like a full round of impact attacks and melee attacks it's just gonna be disgusting um (laughs) so so i finished them they were a whole lot of fun to paint the uh the the Chieftain resin model is just drop-dead, gorgeous, amazing. Um, well above and beyond anything that, you know... Yeah, it's just it's just incredible. Um, so I finished up them. I started painting the Drum Beast. 
Um, so I am in the middle of painting the big old Brontosaurus, which I'm extremely excited about. And, you know, all of my dinosaurs are bird themed. Um, and this one is a flamingo since it's got the long neck and his, his, you know, legs kind of coming up. Uh, so I'm super excited about that because, you know, we both, we're both flamingo lovers. Um, we are. So, yeah, so I'm super stoked about it. I mean, it's, it, it, I was worried though, when I picked it, that I was, that it was going to be too much, right? Because uh, the way I'm painting them, they're, they're definitely like all, everybody's like a kind of muted color. Um, so I was afraid the pink was going to come out too bright, but it didn't, it came out perfect. Oh, it came out perfect. Yeah. yeah it's it, really good. It, it fits everybody. So striking. I'm the, the only thing that I'm really struggling with, I'm struggling with the underside. Um, and I feel like I did. Yeah, I didn't quite get it. Uh, I didn't get quite it. I didn't quite get it on the uh, T-Rex or the Thunder Riders. And I, 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 I got it. I'm doing something wrong or at least something that I'm doing is not working. So I have some ideas on, on what I can do because it's, you know, it's the belly. So it tends to be, you know, a lighter color. Um and I'm just trying to get the army painter paints that are the lighter colors. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to be happy with the contrast and I haven't quite gotten there yet. All right. So, but I, I have, have some faith. ideas I'm going to try and if yeah, you have any so I ideas. Have faith that I've been, I've been exactly there before. And like one of the cool things about painting is, you know, you sort of like try things until something works and then something works and we paint in such thin layers that we're not really um, we're not really uh, punished for right. the the things that we do, right? Yep, yep. Which is which is perfectly fine. Um, you know, it's it it looks it looks fine. The and and I mean the main difference why I'm I'm you know a little more willing to go back and mess with it on this model versus the Triceratops or the Apex Predator because, you know, it's the front of the guy's neck and it's a fucking Brontosaurus, so everybody's mm -hmm, going to be seeing mm -hmm. his neck. So I don't yep. need, like, splotchy spots or just for all of it to look, you know, a single color. So um, I think what I'm, what I'm actually going to try and do, Chops, is I'm going to try and use the mixing medium and I'm going to thin down the color that I used on the rest of it um, so this way that fills in anything that is recessed. Cause I feel like when, when I feel like the lighter colors don't hit the recesses as well. So I feel like if I go through that with a thin down version of the darker color, it'll just sit in the recesses and then I can come back over it with the lighter color. And that should, I, I think that'll work. So we'll see. I'll let you know. All right. All right. Um, that, it's, it sounds like it'll work. Sounds like a good plan. In 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 it, it, in theory on paper, it sounds it sounds <clears> like <throat> it should work. So, I, like I said, I'll let you know and I'll update everybody else the next time. Um, so I did that. Oh, and I I I have a friend who um, you know I love I love gaming with, and um, he you know it's just been going through some shit lately, and I could tell that you know he just doesn't have the motivation to build and whatnot. So uh, I was like, look, dude, you know, like. I'll, I'll gladly put all your stuff together. That's fine. Like I'll do it. I, I'd, I'd rather put the time in and, and get to play with you instead of you being like frustrated that your shit's not built and not coming out. Yeah. Um, so I started building them for him. Uh, and then I got the wild hair and decided I was going to start painting some dwarves. And it's been wonderful because it's such a different approach than what I'm doing with my Wadroon. Um, 
so it's it's been a very it's been a good break. It's been um, it's a it's a challenge because it's it's so different. There's a lot more metals, uh, and my friend is very big into turbo dork paints. All right. Um, so I'm getting to play around with them, which is great. And I kind of had a had a um, reel him in a little bit because he was like, "Just slap the d- turbo dork on there." I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, seriously, that's got to be like the highlight, not the, not the, you know, main thing. So I think after I painted a dwarf or two, I think he was on board. Um, and I painted his, most of his Helldrake. Uh, and that thing came out really well. Not going to lie. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it has looked, uh, everything you've done with those Wadroon, in my opinion, has looked freaking cool. So hell yeah. I, I appreciate that. I've been I've been enjoying the shit out of playing them and painting them and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a uh, the game. The I, I guess just maybe not hobby progress, but um, the game is like absolutely uh, taking over my brain. Sure, I know uh, what that's like. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of in in that phase, which I absolutely <clears throat> am am loving to be able to be like. You know, thinking about the game and, you know, thinking like, oh, I wonder what, I wonder if this combination would be interesting, you know, this artifact with this, you know, character or, or whatever, or even to just, you know, be able to, to think about a previous game and be like, oh, well, maybe I should have tried this or, or, you know, just, just that off table time. Um, but I'm also feel like we're in a point because everybody that I play with is, new to the game, right? Like it's like we all started picking it up about last year at this time. Right. And then by the mm-hmm. time everybody mm-hmm. built their armies and, uh, you know, I was being stubborn about painting them. Um, you know, so we really just kind of been getting ourselves going and trying to squeeze in at, at game stores on like Warhammer night or MCP night, which is now also sure. Lurkana and D and D night. So oh, Wednesday's Wednesday's like pretty so much crowded. out. Yeah. Um, so, so we're hoping the Thursdays will work and, and that way then people who might be thinking about the old world can come and see how much better this game looks on the table. Um, and, um, you know, so we're all kind of in that same boat of learning, but it feels like our entire community has kind of hit level two all in right. the game. So you're, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Right, so we kind of have all the basics down. We're kind of starting to understand our, our you know, factions but what's really starting to happen is the uh, thoughtful positioning is sure. a lot of what's happening, right? Of like, right. Ooh, yeah, yeah. how can I get in on that flank? Or, ooh, can I get around and behind them if I do this? Or, um, you know, just even just the more dynamic gameplay, like, right? Like um, the other night yeah. I had my Raptor Riders going after an objective on, on turn one, you know, threw spears at it because they're fast enough to get up there, um, you know, did damage to it, and then he brought on the Hell Drake right behind him. You know, big giant stompy thing. So I got ah shit, because and and basically my goal was to throw a spear at it because it has three health, and you can only do one damage to it per action, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit it with a spear. Next turn, I'm gonna hit because the and the Raptor Riders can just turn any direction at the beginning or end of their turn, um, and they can fire out of any arc. So then my plan for turn two was just turn them back around the other way throw spears again and get out. All right. Right. So that would be the second one. And then the next turn, you know, be out of range. And then the next turn, get back into fire throwing range, 
kill it and then whatever happened to them from that point wouldn't matter because they scored me Doesn't three matter, points. Yeah. yeah, they did the thing you needed. Yep, yeah, that's they did. cool. So, so it's like that type of dynamic gameplay and even even with that, my plan didn't work because they freaking fluffed their uh, second shot. So at that point, I'm like, well, I'm not going back in because I can't finish it off that Drake's going to kill me. But, you know, being able to then use them, um, you know, I use them to get a flank charge and, and finish off another unit. And then after that, they were able to do their reform and then charge the hell Drake and tied that up for. So just just that different kind of, of being able to work through problems. Um, and it and it feels like everybody in the group is kind of hitting that. So the games are getting yeah. really interesting. You know, like the first couple times we played, they would go like five turns. Right. Which is like half the game in turn one. There's like, you know, a unit on the table. Um, but now they're going like eight, nine turns. So they're they're. That, I, I think that's the other way you can tell that it's developing is that we're making strong decisions on, on both ends of uh, offense and defense. So it's just making all of the games more interesting. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. It feel it feels good to be settled on a game for, for, for now because we're uh, drifting aimlessly. It felt like for a while after wild west exodus kind of. It, I mean, and yeah. And for me, it's, it's really been since Malifo. And then it's, it's funny, our MCP scene in town is super, super, super bright right now. But like, I kind you know, I was the, the hype man for the game right up until the pandemic. So like from, right. you know, November 2019 or, or September 2019 or whatever it was that the game launched mm-hmm. all the way through the pandemic starting, I was out grinding demos every week. Hey, you were. Uh, and, the, and then the pandemic hit. And I just never really got it, got it back because I tried so hard, you know, um, yeah. and I really need to re-engage with the local scene. But like the game has just gone so far and it feels like just a big leap for me to get back in. But anyway, that was a long hobby progress. <laughs> well, let me, Can I just comment on that real quick? Yeah. Um, I feel like with the way that... Um, you know, you can just kind of pick individual models. I don't think you're as out of the loop as you think you might be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, because I mean, you, I, you still have the stuff that you are fairly familiar with to play with. You know, granted, you're going to see some more things out there, but you'll know yours. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. I mean, I, and I could. I just need to get out there and play. But let's uh, let's transition. Yeah, let's get let's get into your your Warhammer Underworld. Yeah, that one. So I do want to confront what I feel like is an elephant in the room, and that's that it's going to be two episodes in a row talking about a board game. Um, is this a board game? That's the that's what I want to talk about. Is it a board it, game? Is it a card game? Is it a miniatures game? Miniatures game. Yeah, it's it's the the answer is it's all of them. Yes. And, <laughs> and the, the the thing that I'll say is that you know we call ourselves war gamers, but quote unquote pinky in the air war gamers would be like, excuse me. Right. We're war gamers, right? And they play hex and shit games that are hex based, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. So let you know that I think there is some something to be said about hex based games being war games. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, uh, BattleTech's a hex based game, and it's a war game it's, through and through. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just I. I, I, I kind of want to just like throw that out there that I do feel that this qualifies when we talk about the two men in a war game or three men in a war game. Uh, this this is certainly a war game uh, in how it plays. Uh, and I, I just want to throw that out there. And, and, and it also occupies the same space as Gautier and Aristea, um, which are both games that we love and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
Um, yes. Yes, it's a board game. Yes, it's a war game. Yes, it's also a card game. <laughs> um, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's a card game. Yep. Um, there's a lot of card play here, and we'll get into it. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is, uh, haven't we talked about this before? Because... Um, longtime listeners will know this game was coming out as we sort of started this podcast. Like the two things happened around the same time. Um, and we have indeed talked about this game because I liked it and then bounced off it, uh, for a lot of reasons. I bounced off it for a few reasons. When it first came out, I, it was actually in in the second season, which is night vault that I bounced off of it. Um, Oh, I got to send that to you. Oh, Night Vault's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, so a lot of stuff has changed since then. Um, I've talked to our local champion Skylar about it, and it, it sounds like there was a there was a period, there's a there's a, a, a season of the game called Harrow Deep. Uh, and Harrow Deep introduced some of the rules changes that have there were the, sort of the start of the rules changes that get us to where we are today. Okay. Uh, and, and where we are today, the game is much better because these are m- maybe small-ish mechanical changes, but they make huge, huge impacts on the game. Um, and then there's also one giant change in the, how the actual formats of the game work. And that's a, that is a, a titanic shift in the way that the game is both released and played. Uh, and it was actually that change that convinced me to give the, tri- the game another try. Okay. And then the mechanical changes that I found after that, I was like, oh, this is really refreshing and the game is really good now um and and so good so that you know obviously i've jumped back i mean sort of like towed back in and then like i dipped my toe i got in ankle deep and then i jumped out and went to the three meter board um oh yeah like that's that's kind of where we're at right now yeah no doubt um you were um i i got a little taste and i was like oh this is this is my stuff and so let's talk about it it happened real quick you're like oh i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go try underworlds and then you were like look at all the underworlds i painted yeah, it's the this game is the shit. Um, so let's talk about the broad strokes. That's our, our normal thing, right? We, we get into it. We talk about the broad the broad strokes of the game. So it is a board game, um, but it's kind of cool because the players collaboratively build the board because the each player brings a double sided hex board, and part of the opening game procedure is that you just you you present your opponent with the side of the board that you want to use and then one of you aligns the boards and then the the one that doesn't align the boards gets to start placing objectives first and they get to place more objectives That's so you right. roll off yeah you roll off and you decide whether or not you want the orientation of the boards or the objectives to matter more to you uh, and that will depend on your warband, which one is more important to you. And so that's, that's a, like, it's funny because like right when you sit down, you do that first roll off, you look and you see what your opponent's warband is. You already are in that strategic thinking. Like, is it more important for me to place the objectives to possibly deny them or to score them for myself or mm-hmm. to place the boards in a way that I can be either defensive or offensive in the way that I want to? Right. Um, and so that, and that, and that carries a lot of weight, that decision. Um, this is a hex based game. So the board is full of hexes. You play by moving all the movement, measurement and line of sight is done via the hexes. So hex based game. This is an alternating multi-stage turn game. So, so uh, no, no measuring tools, no measuring tools, no finickiness. Uh, so, so, all, no. so, so in theory, in theory, well, I guess not even in theory, 
Um, it's, it's, you don't have to worry about mismeasuring. You don't have to worry about, am I in or am I out and, and taking so, that time uh, th- to, this is, to eye everything this, up. This is a highly unambiguous game. Yeah. Oh, no, um, that's great. Some of, I will say some of the, I mean, there's no, no, uh, no good way to, to talk about GW's maybe rule writing in some places. It, mm-hmm. They could take some notes from Wizards of the Coast or Legend Story Studios or Fantasy Flight. <laughs> There's like a lot of companies that, that write rules a little cleaner. Um, but the measuring and all that stuff and, and really a lot of the timing is there is completely unambiguous. There's multiple timing charts to go through exactly how and when things happen. And there's really not a lot of questions as far as that's concerned. Right. Uh, and, and that's one of the nicest things about the game actually is that it is very unambiguous. Um, but you do take alternating turns and there are multi-stage turns too, because each tur- each sequence each turn sequence, it's funny when I said there's a there's a timing chart. So your turn sequence starts with a reaction step and then an inspire step and then a surge step. And then you have your activation and then reaction, inspire, surge, and then a power step and then reaction, inspire, surge. So there's mid, like like when I said multi-stage, right? The, yeah, no the, shit. There's a, yeah. And, and really that, what that really feels like in practice, I just said a lot of things, but you know, if you look at a timing chart, in a game like MCP, even the the combat timing chart is like twenty stages, right? Mm-hmm. There's like twenty steps to it. But what it really looks like is I roll my dice, you roll your dice, we do some re rolls, we look. It it happens very fast in the moment, right? Right. Uh, and it's the same thing here. It's just that there are those multi stage things that happen, and it's important because there a lot of the card play happens in that multi stageness. Okay. Because those reaction steps are windows to play cards. The power step is windows to play cards. And we'll talk about that. But it's important to note. Um, yeah. And so there's four there's four turns per round and three rounds in a game. So what that means is each player gets 12 activations. And that's it. Right. It's, you gotta, uh, it's 12 activate. You, you got you to know going into it that you need to maximize all of those activations. Yes, it's it's 12 activations and you're done. And that's actually another another cool thing about that game. I talked about how in deck building commoner, the restriction breeds creativity. Mm-hmm. It's a similar it's a similar thing here, right? You once you realize that you don't really have uh, a lot of time to make decisions, you have to make every one of those activations really count. Right. Um, and so that's cool. It's a cool part of the game to me. Yeah, I always um, I always thought that was neat about it, right? Like, you know, like you said, kind of forcing your hand into having to make those decisions, right? And and I mean, it makes sense thematically, right? Because if you're mm-hmm. raiding a tomb or whatever, whatever they're searching for, you know, they're going to be in there, like trying to get in and out, and somebody else is fucking with them, um, you know. So that's all gonna that's all gonna happen. I've, I I I kind of look at this game as like, um, you know, the heist in Andor. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I've always viewed it as everybody's going in, getting their objectives and getting out. Yep. Um, So that that's it. Right. Uh, Again, four turns, three rounds, game over. Whoever scores the most points wins the game. Um, And this is also a game where tabling your opponent doesn't mean you win, Um, which I I always I always look for that as sort of a marquee of a good war game. If you if you can get tabled and still win through the guile and cunning and playing to your objectives, I think that's pretty great. Oh, absolutely. I am. I'm always a fan of that. Right. Because, you know, we 
cut our teeth on on you know old school 40k and and fantasy and that was basically go forth and kill right yeah like and and your win conditions were like major victory or squeaked it out or draw and it was all based on how many people you killed so now right. that we and have it, now that we have games with objectives that should be the yes. focus yes and and the objectives in this game can be deeply thematic um so and we'll get into why that why that is Okay, so another thing to note about this game, it does have custom dice. Um, there are three types of dice. There are attack dice, defense dice, and magic dice. They're all D6s. Um, and really what it is is, is just – these are actually some of the better custom dice that I think I've come across. MCP I think still is the maybe the best justification for, for custom dice. They work really well. Yeah. But – but these dice are kind of the they feel like the the progenitor of like that that MCP style where the faces really have dynamic and uses, right? And so an example I can give is on the attack dice. So you're again you have a D6, right? And so on your D6, uh you have two smash or ha- hammer results, right. one sword result. One single support result, one double support result, and one critical success. And this is important because every model that you attack with has either a sword or a hammer as okay. their their the the thing that they are looking for when they swing as at an attack. And so you know right off the bat that you either have a 50-50. Or a one third chance to hit because critical successes are always going to be successes, right? Okay. And so with two hammers and a crit, that's half the results. And with a crit and a sword, that's two thirds or one third of the results, two, two out of six. And then supports have to do with how many of your friendly models are adjacent to what you're attacking. So think uh, guild ball. Guild ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so single support, if you have one guy adjacent, becomes a success. Double support, if you have two guys adjacent, becomes okay. a, a, a success. And so that's how the dice work. And that it, it, that's really cool. It's really smooth math. Um, yeah. So if you're like trying to set yourself up and you – so if I set myself a double support – and I'm looking at you and, and my guy rolls hammers. I know I'm five, six hitting, baby. <laughs> like there's the, the odds of me hitting on one dice are very high. Right. Um, and so that really informs the way you play the game, the way you move, the way you push, the way you position. Uh, and the defense vice are similar. Actually, the, the defense vice, you just you swap hammers for shields and and uh, swords for dodges. And and then each unit has one of those as their defense profile. So you've always got either a 50-50 block or a two two, or one-third block by default, right? Right. And then those go up with supports. And the supports like Guild Ball, the same. It's like if if one of your people is adjacent to the person attacking you, you have support there because they're sort of running interference. Right. So it's just if you if you know how the support worked in Guild Ball, it's it's basically the same thing just in hexes here. Which Instead is even easier to measure an inch. Right, right. You're not measuring within an inch. You're just measuring if yep. uh, if you've got if you're adjacent via a hex. Yep. And then there's magic dice, and the magic dice are cool. Just know there's a magic system. The mag- there's only three sides of the magic dice, but they have it's a similar thing, right? You're looking for crits, channels, or focus, and you have some odds of hitting one or the other when you roll the dice. Right. Um. Similarly to the attack and defense. 
but mostly you're rolling the attack and defense dice as you go. So it does have custom dice. Um, another cool thing about this game is that the war bands themselves are predefined. So there, that that's not to say there's no list building in this game. That was going to be my ask. That was going to be absolutely list building, but it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. And what I mean by that is just like a God tier, when you bring a champion in God tier, it comes with its lackeys, right? It comes with its minions. Right. Um, when you play underworlds, you pick a war band and that war band is fixed. There's nothing you can do about it. So when I bring the headsman's curse, I'm always going to have the bearer of the blade, the sharpener of the blade, the scripter of the sentence and the bearer of the block. Always going to have those four models. Nothing I can do about it. Right. But you do have your deck. Um, and your deck consists of an objective deck and a power deck. And we're going to talk about the formats of the game when we after we talk about the gameplay loop itself. Sure. Um, but the formats of the game are where you get deck building options. And the deck building is what people who play Underworlds refer to as list building. Right. Because when you build your when you build your glory deck, that's your objective deck. That deck it defines the way you score victory points outside of killing. Okay. Right? So you get to customize the things you're going to score points doing. Which you know I love stuff like that. Yes, I do. And then the power deck is how you are going to customize your tricks. Okay. So you have basically what you have in the game is you've got two. There's two. There's a. There's a, actually a lot of different kinds of power cards, but mostly they they go into upgrades or the the combat tricks or spells and stuff. Okay. And so you're mixing your upgrades, which you can upgrade your fighters as you go through a game of this game, which is really cool. Um. And then you also have combat tricks, which are like pushes and and a lot. There's like so many, that it, it, and they're also very thematic. These things are very all of the different tricks you can do are super thematic to the warband um, that you're playing. And I'll go over some examples of those from my warband, the Headman's Curse, as we go. But just know that, like I said, it's a combat trick deck and a combat and combat tricks. We'll say deck and a objective deck. Okay. Um. And again, this is a VP-based game. Uh, you achieve victory. It's called glory in the game. And it's important to actually call it glory as a differentiator from victory points. Because when you get glory, typically when you score it, uh, it is it comes in as uh, face-up glory. And then you can spend the glory as you play the game to equip objectives onto your character or uh, equip, sorry, equip upgrades onto your characters. So the way you upgrade your characters is first by scoring points, okay. by getting glory and all your spent glory counts as points at the end of the game. It's just how much glory you have, but it's, it, it's, it's better to call it because you don't spend your victory points to, to, you know, like it just sounds dumb to be like, I'm going to spend a victory point to uh, do this objective. Well, but, you, but you're also not really right because you said that still counts at the end. It does. You're yeah. using your glory. You are, if you think about it, you're basking in the glory of what you've done, the, right. the slaughter or objectives to make your guys stronger. Right. So, 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 I mean, even just in in the definition of how they're using it, you're not spending your victory points because you're keeping them as victory points. 
Exactly. You're just you're you're basically using it as a resource. So your victory right. points become a resource that you can sort of spend to equip obje- uh, uh, upgrades as you play the game. So I got a, I got a question for you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the game keep that from uh, one player just absolutely running wild on it because they got out ahead early and now could buy a whole bunch of upgrades? Well, so there's some randomness by the you have to draw the cards out of your power deck and your power deck there one of the we'll, we'll start talking about it now, right? The power deck is made up of 20 cards um and basically it has to be a minimum of 20 cards. Okay. And the number of non-upgrades has to be equal to the number of upgrades. That's okay. the that's the restriction. So your standard so power deck Yes, your standard deck is 10 and 10. It, it actually, like, it, anybody who's played a lot of card games knows that when somebody tells you what the, the like, minimum that your deck should be, that's probably what your deck should be. Right. Because if you go above that, then you're thinning your deck out and lowering the chances of drawing the cards that you want to see. Right. So you want to keep it at 20. And that means you're going to have 10 upgrades and 10 combat tricks okay. or, or plots, ploys, etc. And that means you're not always going to have upgrades in your hand right? Okay, to, to spot. And then you're not always going to have the upgrades that you want okay. when you need, when you want them. Uh, and also uh, again, points are scored from both uh, killing and from uh, the objective cards. And the objective cards are not always based on combat. Okay. So getting out to an early lead uh, can mean different things to different war bands. Right. 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 right? Because some war bands want to get on objectives. Um, some war bands want to be in enemy territory or no man's territory, which is the middle of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like some war bands do want to kill. They and some war bands all they don't even care if they hit. They just want carnage. Right. Right. They just want to. They don't want to be in a fight. They don't really care how they're doing in the fight. And so like. A, a lot of the points you score aren't from killing stuff. So like getting out to an, an early lead doesn't really mean a lot because it's pretty easy to equalize. Okay. Um, and I, I will say I have been in a few lopsided games, mm-hmm. but most of the games don't end lopsided, even if they start that way. Okay. So um, I don't, I, I like anything, right. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to be like, there's no, it's a dice game, right? right. And you're, and you've only got 12 activations. And so like the, the RNG is can be pretty brutal. I'm not even going to pretend like it, it can't be. The RNG can be pretty rough in this game. Right. But the thing is that it, 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 it when you play the game, it is supposed to be best two out of three. And the points themselves aren't always scored from combat. So there's a lot of ways to make up for a slow start. Okay. Okay. Cool? Yeah. That, yeah. Because, I mean, that's always the thing that you get concerned about and situations like that is does it just become a blowout and then it's not fun for anybody but the best not two really. the best two out of three is also a nice touch as well because mm-hmm. you yeah, could get blown games, out one game but the next one you could be doing well exactly and, and my experience is the games go 30 minutes to an hour that's okay. like the the sort of range now is that um, for depending- is that for all three or no okay. per game okay yeah per game um, and I think the way that competitive rules go is they give you 45 minutes per game as an average. Okay. That seems right. So that's like, mm-hmm. um, cool. So that's the, that's the, like how that works. All right. So now we'll go into sort of like the core, the core stuff. Um, the war bands in the game are made up of three to seven models. 
It's actually really important um, it, it, because the warbands are statted uh, based on how many models they have. Um, and also, you know, when you look at a, a three model warband, we think of that as like an elite warband. And, and if you think about it in wargaming terms, right, when you bring the custodies to a mm-hmm. 40K game, you know you're not going to be looking at the same amount of models as the person bringing gene stealer cults. Right. Um, and then on the other end of that spectrum is seven. Uh, and the reason why that is, is that when the hexes on the boards have seven deployment zones per side. Okay. So the maximum that you could have is seven, right? Because as you're deploying, seven is the most spaces that your models can go into. Sure. That makes sense. And then three is the minimum because if it goes above three, then you have to start statting the characters in a way that's really rough for the character, the person with the lower model count. And I'll mm-hmm. explain why in a second. Okay. Um, okay. So models themselves, they have, uh, this is what you're going to have on a, on a mod because the model they're, they're cards, right? Every model has its card. Mm-hmm. The cards are double sided. Uh, and so the, the stats that you have on the, you have your health profile, which is the number of wounds that you take before you die uh, attack profile, which tells you uh, how many dice that you roll and what symbol you're looking for on those dice when you roll. Okay. Uh, you're, and, and you can have multiple attack profiles. I'll say that like you models can have multiple attacks. Um, you also have your defense pos- which is how many defense dice you roll and what symbol you're looking for as a success when you roll a dice. Okay. Then you also have abilities that a model might have and the criteria for inspiration. And so inspiration is like glory in the other side. Um, you meet a criteria based on your war band. And mm-hmm. when you meet that criteria, you flip the model over into their inspired side okay. and they gain something. Usually they gain something. There's actually war, one war band where they get worse. Oh, um, well, the reason why is that because they start inspired, they're undead and okay. they start inspired. And as they are brought back to life, they uninspire because they're like losing chunks of their body. Right. They're like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. So, Love but it. mostly you you get better when you inspire. Sure. But that but but that should tell you something about, about how creative the designers are of this game and how much they play with the design space. Um, but that generally you get better. So you you're going to get a new ability. You're going to get more health, more defense, better attack profiles. Maybe a brand new attack that you didn't have on the front side of your card. Right. Um. So. Uh, that that and that's really cool. And, and I'll give you a couple examples of what this looks like. So um, I have a warband that they're, they're orcs, and they get inspired as soon as they take damage. The second they take damage, they get inspired. As sounds you know, sounds as orky. As, yep. As soon as they feel the fight, boy, the blood gets pumping, and they are or the fungus gets pumping. I don't know. And then they're <laughs> they're ready to they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, and then I have my other warband, the head, Headsman's Curse. And so what happens with them is when they, when your warband collectively earns three condemned counters, they all inspire simultaneously. Oh, um, it's very cool. It's very thematic. And the way that that that, that well, I'll talk about this a little bit later because I want to I want to save it for when we're talking about the cool things about the game. Um, but, but it's just to say that there's a lot of variation. I have another warband, the sepulchral guard, the ones I'm painting right now, where they, a lot of them get inspired when they're raised back from the dead. So like they oh, all okay. start on and they're skeletons. And so after they've fallen once and they resurrect the first time, then they inspire because they're back in the fight and they're ready to go. Right. Okay. That and makes so, sense. I like that. And, and, 
And this informs the person who's playing the warband a little bit how they should play them, right? That's the first thing that the cards tell you is they tell you a lot about what the, the play style of the warband is right. and what the flavor of the warband is based on the abilities and their inspiration mechanic. Okay. No, that makes sense. So that's that's cool, right? I like that, yep. Okay. So now we'll talk about the decks of cards because the way that the game works, right, is I take an activation, you take an activation. So on your activation, what you're doing is you are looking first and foremost, right, at the start of the game, you you set your boards out and then you set the objectives or and then you draw your cards. And once you've drawn your cards and you've seen what your cards are, that's when you deploy your models. And so you're looking at your cards and you're going, these are the first three objectives that I have access to. How can I do this? How should I deploy my models? Right. And this is, this is why I, the way I'm bringing this up is because we're going to talk about how, a little bit more in depth about how these cards work. So the glory deck is your objective based deck. And there are two kinds of objectives. Well, yeah, there's two kinds. There are surges and there are end of round objectives. Okay. And so you're working toward whatever combination of those you have. And so you might have one that says at the end of the round, score this. If your warband leader took an enemy model out of action, gain a glory, right? That might be as an example, sure. a simple objective to score. Or it might be if you are standing on objectives whose numerical value equals six or more, because the objectives themselves, the objective hexes have numerical values on them. And so if you're standing on the four and the two that equals six, that satisfies the condition for that thing. Okay. And I might also have one that says score this at the end of the round. If every one of your surviving models has a charge token. Okay. Right. And so you are looking at your objective cards that are, again, very thematic to your warband. And I'll, I'll talk about some more thematic ones. The ones I'm describing now are more generic. So you can sort of just grok out in your head what they look like, right? The things you might be playing toward. Sure. Um, and, and you look at those and you, that's how you set your game plan up. Like how that's going to dictate your order of activations, right? How you're activating your models, what you're doing, where you're going. And the surges are really cool because surges can happen. Uh, they're basically like reactions. So they, they happen in sort of these reaction windows that happen at different time. There, there's the different timings within an, a turn. And so the reactions might say like they might say they're, they're so varied and so thematic, but the way that they work on paper is you score them mm -hmm. when you satisfy the condition. Okay. And then once you satisfy the condition, you get the points and then you immediately draw another glory card Okay. out of your deck. And so you might say, Kevin, why don't I get to just do all of those? I don't want to wait till the end of round, but ah, uh, 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 because like you have to have the same amount of objectives as non-objectives, you have to have the same amount of non-surges as surges. Okay. So your deck generally is going to be six surges and six end of round objectives. Makes, Makes sense. sense. Yep. Yep. Cool. No, that's good. Keep it. Keep it. So this way you're not uh, stuck on one or the other. You're not stuck on one or the other. And there's no guarantee of how you're going to draw them or when you're going to see them. Right. Um, and that and that goes to the like 
keeping the game fair. Like there's just variance at a, at like a lot of different stages at the game. And since both players are sort of at the mercy of that variance, it really does average out. It, it comes out in the wash a lot in this game. Well, and that's that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why MCP works, right? Like, like, you know, the custom dice in that game are pretty freaking swingy, right? They can be very swingy. Um, yep. But because they're swingy for everybody, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it usually it usually comes out. And since the card drawing is is, you know, a little bit swingy, the dice are a little bit swingy. The fact that your deck composition has to be like equal surges, equal non-surges, equal upgrades, equal non-upgrades. You have these like situations where, you know, it, it barely does come out in the wash. Right. So that's like a really cool aspect of it for me. Um. And the other deck is your power deck. Oh my god, man. This is so cool. Um, this is where we're going to start talking about formats a little bit. Um, because the way that this works, the way that, well, you, you know what? We don't have to. We don't have to right away. We can just talk about the power deck because you have gambits and you have upgrades. And so upgrades will do things like a, a simple version of an upgrade might be this model gains one move. Okay. Or this model gains one health or this model gains this attack and the upgrade is like a sword, right? And sure. then that sword has this attack profile, but they could be really cool. So I'll start to describe my war, my main warband, the Headman's Curse. So okay. there is a model in my warband called the Bearer of the Block. And he's just like a big ghost that's carrying around a decapitation block. Like if you've ever, like, you know, when somebody gets decapitated, they put their head down yep. on the block. That's got a spot for their neck to go in. Yeah. It's that he's just, he's just carrying that thing around. Nice. Um, it just feels very British. It, it, it really does. <laughs> uh, and his special ability that he always has on both sides of his card is that while he is supporting a fighter, that fighter has cleave. Uh, and that basically means it ignores the, the defense results of their your opponent's dice or the shield result specifically oh, of okay. your opponent's dice. So it's really dangerous. If yeah. He's not, I mean, because he's but he's supporting the decapitation, right? That's oh, what he's sense. there to do. Makes sense. He's, yeah. the, he's, he's there to make the heads roll. And so there's an upgrade in my deck called Lurking Crony. Oh, jeez. And it says... If this model is adjacent to the model making the attack, it also counts as supporting. Oh. So he doesn't have to be adjacent to the model being attacked. He can be adjacent to the model doing the attack. Right. So and the card little... is like, the card is so funny because it's the bear of the block kind of like hiding behind the, the main killer of the warband, the, oh, the, the wielder of the blade, um, which is just deeply thematic and funny. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, That's hilarious. You have to send me, you have to but, send me that picture. Yeah, for sure. But like that gives you an idea of how thematic these upgrades are, right? right? And every warband, the up, and and that's an example. So you spend a glory. I can equip, and I can equip lurking crony to any of my models. But it it really has the, the name, the bearer of the block, printed on it. It doesn't, but I'm, but like you always put it on that guy because right. he has he has the the like the best. Like it's always good to have support, but his support is better than everyone else's because he gives you cleave, which right. is huge. Which is, yeah, that sounds big. Yeah, it's huge. Um, but that's so that's an example of an upgrade. And then you have lots of cool gambit spells. So I so my warband, as an example, has uh a, a, has a, a gambit spell, and I don't have the cards in front of me. I should have brought them down. I should 
this is, you know, shame on me for not bringing my deck down. Um, but it's got an upgrade and I, I think the upgrade is called like your service is not over. Okay. <laughs> Um, and what it is, is it, it basically resurrects a dead chain rasp. Oh, geez. And so my, my main model is not a chain rasp, but the three supporting models are. Uh-huh. And so this is a thing that I can play in the power step to resurrect one of my models. Gross. Um, and it, it comes back wounded. Um, but like, it still comes back, which is cool. It's a ghost. It comes back. That's thematic. I like it. As it should. Yeah. Um, so I, I have another one. Uh, as an example of one of these cards, it's a non-upgrade that's called Condemned Step Forward. Ooh, and okay. Basic, basically, the text on the card is choose two models and switch their position and then give any enemy models a condemned counter. Okay. What is What does the condemned counter do? When I kill a model, I get a condemned counter. Uh-huh. If I get three condemned counters, all my models inspire. Oh, Wow. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I, gotcha. I want to be condemning models. Gotcha. But if you're thinking about how this works and you're thinking about how war games work, what, what this really means is that I can put you in a position. I can, I can charge you as an example. I can charge you with the bearer of the block and swing the block at you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then on when it's going to become my turn again, I can play condemn step forward and I can change the position of the bearer of the block mm-hmm. and your model. Right. And then I can safely charge that model with my real killer. Mm, gotcha. gotcha. And, and have support from the bearer of the block and put the condemn counter on your model. All right. Yeah. Yep. I'm seeing, so, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this. Uh, it's, it's yep. fun little, fun little shenanigans like that in your little group there. Yes. And every warband again has fun little shenanigans like this that they can do. Right. So it's really cool. Um, and, and so what we should actually now talk about what combat looks like. Um, because the dice in this game are, it's kind of interesting the way that it works. Because it doesn't, it, it's intuitive once you understand it. But it, at the first time you see it, you're like, what, huh? Um, because you, so you roll the dice, right? And you're, you and your opponent roll the dice equal to your profile, and whatever upgrades or gambits you play, because you might play gambits to let you roll additional dice or whatever. You roll your dice, your opponent rolls their dice, and you're looking for successes for whatever that means. So if your defense criteria says you need shields, you're looking for shields. My offense says I'm looking for hammers. I'm looking for hammers. And then we see who has the most successes. And the person with the most successes wins the roll. Okay. But criticals are better than successes. So if I have a critical, you can have – you could roll three defense dice. You're looking for shields. All three of them are shields. If I roll a crit, doesn't matter. Okay. Does it get I through all three of them or just one? It does. Ooh. It does. Okay. Yes. Gross. Crits are like super success. Exactly. Yeah. Gro- gross. <laughs> uh, crits are super successes. And so – but it's really cool because the math becomes very simple because it, and it, it, a, lo- a lot of this is really nice and it speeds up gameplay because you get into a state, right, where like I might roll two dice and I roll a crit and a success. So I roll a critical and a success. Okay. Now, criticals cancel criticals, right? Okay. So if I roll a crit and you roll a crit, it, it it's a wash. Right. Um, it, basically, ties go to the defender. Okay. If that, if that makes sense, yep. right? Um, so, 
But the thing is, if I roll a crit success and you've only got one dice you can roll, you can't win. So I'm going to wound you. Right. Right. Because you've only got one dice. The best you can roll is a crit. Our crits cancel and I still have a success. So my success. So it does make a lot of the dice math really easy to grok because there's not a lot of dice you're rolling. And it's really the, the reason that the crits being super successes is, is nice is because it, it allows for circumstances like that where you can very quickly see deterministic results. And you're not like like being counting dice, right? After you roll a big stack and your opponent rolls a big stack and you're sort of sorting them out. There's none of that. Because right. you can really quickly determine what happens based on the attacker's roles or the defender's roles. Okay. and Because that's equally true on defense, right? If I roll defense and I roll a crit defense and you only rolled one dice on offense, fuck it. My shields are up. You can't do anything about it. Right. Um, and, th- and that's really nice. And, and again, we talked about it, how successes go up as you have more criteria. So if you have single support or double support, those those – bases on your dice also become successes. And so it is good to, cause like it, it's great to be able to roll two dice because if you have double support, you've got lots of chances to hit on either attack profile. Right. Um, it's either four out of six or five out of six that are successes. So really good to have that double support. Um, but again, the criticals are kind of super successes. And I just want to like sort of throw that out there because again, the variance is high. And one of the things I want to make sure people understand is that this game is great, but if you're not necessarily one of the people that can withstand some sort of wild variance, because if you're paying attention, what I said is that ties go to the defender. And so that means like crit defense can be brutal, man, because like, you can feel like you're attacking a brick wall sometimes because like I've had games where I have rolled like three successes and my opponent crit defensed five times in a row. Right. Jeez. And you're just like, Ugh. but like it's a dice game. Just go into this game knowing it's a dice game. Right. Uh, and I kind of actually like it because it makes it really exciting. It makes every – the thing about that I love about the crits and, – and the crits don't explode either, which is great, right? They don't – there's none of that. But it, it makes crits very impactful. Um, they kind of feel like the Red Joker in Malifaux, but it's a 1-6th instead of 152. So you're going <laughs> to see it right? more? Yeah. You see it more often, right? Yeah. It's very it's, – it's high impact and it comes up more often than you think. Um, so much so that there's a podcast called Can You Roll a Crit um, about about the game. Um, so the crits are cool. They're super successes. Um, and that's really and – that, and, and that's the game, right? You're moving models, trying to like out card play your opponent. And this is where we said it's a card game, right? Because if you've been – if you've been like sort of thinking about how this works as I've been describing it, it every turn has this structure where you're going – activation step power step so i take an activation i have a power step it's my opponent's turn but the way that the power step works is i play a card you play a card i play a card you play a card until we both pass okay and so a lot of power steps that might just be like i have no power you have no power pass to your activation sure but it also might be like i play an upgrade i play a gambit i play a gambit I play an upgrade, okay. right? Uh, and it, it can go back and forth. And the card play can the, do a lot of funny things because you can get into a situation where I might play a card that's like my next attack roll gets plus one. And I might be in a position where 
I'm telegraphing what my move is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I might go, ah, 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 I play <laughs> this Gambit card and it teleports my model across the board. So now you no longer have that target that you think you're yeah, going to have. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, I got to do the Nedry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> um, but that, and, and that's where the, the sort of like Magic the Gathering, Flesh and Blood, Lorcana sort of card game comes in. Right. Because you go back and forth playing these cards and doing these things. And every time you do it, there's that back, there's that chance for back and forth counterplay. And you might have the perfect card to sort of like counteract what your opponent thinks they're doing. Right. And again, really cool. And the other thing that's neat is that most of the time your opponent's power step is the power step that's most important for you because a lot of the gambits that you're going to play affect what you're going to do on your activation. And so you're waiting for your opponent's power step for you to be like, I'm playing this card, I'm playing this card, I'm playing this card, and now I'm going to activate my supercharged bro. Um, It's cool. It's very cool that that's how it works. Um, And I want to make sure I highlight that because there's a lot of card play in this game. Because if the, if the card play wasn't there, it would be just like, I move this model, roll right. some dice. You move that model, roll some dice. Right, right. But the card play and the attaching of upgrades and every uh, – m- I have to say is every upgrade in this game is very impactful. Like when you play the upgrades in this game, your opponent is groaning every time. <laughs> Um, cause they're all really like that lurking crony upgrade, mm-hmm. bro. It's so strong. Um, so another one that I have is called like, uh, it's like, it's like ever living executioner is the name okay. of it. And when you, as soon as I play it, my model now always counts double success as defensive successes or double support as Ooh. defensive successes. So now I immediately, my dice, my defense, capabilities go higher and my chances of rolling successes on defense is higher and my guy is much harder to kill. Um, so okay. every upgrade is highly impactful. Um, but that's like the core loop of the game, right? You activate a model, it goes to a power step, we play cards, you activate a model, you do whatever happens, we exchange cards back and forth, back and forth until the 12 activations are over and we calculate glory. Right. Uh, important thing to note, um, another way to in glory, earn glory is called bounties. And so that basically what that means is if you kill a model that has between one and four wounds, you earn a glory. And okay. if you kill a large model, which is five wounds or more, you get two glory for killing that bigger model. All right. So that's also a way to earn glory is by killing. And you're, you're going to, you're going to want to do the killing. Okay. <laughs> Um, cause that, that's, uh, cause killing gets you glory. Right. Um, and, but there are model, again, there are, there are war bands that have l- like bigger glory opportunities and glory opportunities that don't involve combat in their decks. Okay. So they can just do shenanigans the whole game and still earn points without really doing much killing. But it is worth noting that killing is always worth points. Okay. So, so a little well, bit uh, again, um, it feels like they were watching what Guild Ball was doing at the time, right? Like between the, the crowd outs and, um, you know, going, oh, you're, you can score by killing and by scoring goals. 
point. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're right. That's very true. That's actually an analog I hadn't considered, but it is, it is a pretty, a pretty true one. I also want to correct myself. Killing models is always worth glory until it isn't. Uh, there are ways to make, to give your models kind of like insignificant so okay. that they don't count for bounties. Um, but that's rare. Well, of course. Uh, and I mean, somebody's, it's, it's, somebody's got to pull that lever, right? Like that's yeah, a clear yeah, 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 lever yeah. to pull. It's, it's, it's as rare as the inspire spide being weaker than the non inspired <laughs> side. Uh, but yeah, they do play with the design space a lot. Okay. So we've talked about, um, we, we talked about hobby progress. We talked about why we're talking about this game. We talked about like what I think is cool uh-huh. and, and the basics and the, the stuff. So now we have to get into like what I think is the most fun section of the episode. And thank you if you've made it through this, cause we've actually gone pretty long already. Um, but this is like what's different and what I think is really cool right now. And, and some illustrations of why I think it's really cool. Um, so a cold, one of the core differences between shade spire, beast grave, night vault, etc all the way up through when they made this rules change. So it used to be that you couldn't activate a model once it had a charge counter. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. And th- this was like a huge hindrance for low model war bands, because if you had three models, you really only were getting three activations per turn, no matter what you did. Okay. Um, because you couldn't do anything once you charged out. But the rule is now once your model has a charge token, it can't activate until the rest of your models have, have tokens. Oh, that makes more sense. But, but once everybody has a token, Game they on. can take – they well, they can't take super actions. So they can't take two-part actions like charging. Charging, right, is a move and an attack. Sure. So they can't charge a second time. But if they're next to a model, they can swing. Right. Or they can move on to an objective. They can – do something right that's better than um, just being like oh i'm sitting here correct so there's no more feels bads right. by charging all three of your models and then not being able to do anything sure. that is no longer a thing because the way that it used to work is if you had a three model warband you were always spending one of your activation one of your actions typically to draw a card because you can always spend one of your actions to draw a victory point card. And that rule still exists. Yeah, but you can that, still do that. I mean, realistically though, like, you know, that kind of sucks, right? Like a lot, because then you're just being like, Oh, all right, well now I got to do this. Taking away, it, it taking does. away some of that agency. It does suck. And, and you know, as this is, this is kind of shame on me that I didn't talk about all the different active, because I'm really what, you know, our podcast is more like nailing, like what it feels like to play a game than actually going through everything mechanically. Um, but like, yeah, the things you can do during your turn, like moving, charging, you can stun, barge, you can t- put your model on guard. And so putting your model, this is actually an important one, putting your model on guard means that dodges and shields count as successes. So that's actually pretty good because there, there are cards too that like put your model on guard. So you don't have to spend an action to do it. Right. Um, you can make an action printed on your card or upgrade. So that's like your spells, your attack actions. You can draw a power card or you can discard an objective and then draw another objective. So those are the things you can spend one of your four activations doing. But this is to say old three model war bands always had to spend one of their active unless they were adjacent to a model so they could start by swinging instead of charging. Okay. Um cuz once you charge you get a charge token and then again, you know, once you once your model's charged it can't do anything 
until they're all your models have charge tokens. Um, so, but let me let me ask, a, let me ask you a quick question here. Um, yeah. Is the only way to get engaged to charge? Yes, okay. unless you're already engaged, okay. right? Because like that's the thing. Once you've been charged, if your model's just standing there, you can swing, right. and swinging doesn't put a movement counter on you, okay. either move or charge. So you can just be like swing, 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 swing with the same model four times if they haven't charged. But once you've charged, they can't do anything until all your models have charged. Okay. And so um, I guess gameplay wise, or at least decision making wise, that then you have to kind of decide, is it worth going in there? Because then I can conceivably just be wailed on by this other guy. Yeah, that is that is a concession. Okay. And it's also worth talking, before we get into the cool stuff, we're talking about the end phase because... I mentioned there's three rounds, right? And so a round is I take four actions, you take four actions, <laughs> and then we go into the end phase. And we remember I was talking about objectives that score in the end phase. Yes. We score those. And then we can discard any objective cards that we don't want to hold into the next round. Like if I have a card and I'm like, God damn it, there's no way uh -huh. I can score this. You can You can just trash it. Okay. Um, like and you it. can also do that. You, you can also do that with your power cards. So either one of your styles of cards, you can throw them in the trash if you don't want them. Uh -huh. And then you draw back to hand size. So you draw you you draw up to three objectives, up to five power cards. Okay, makes sense. So you, so you can carry as much or as little as you want through the round. Sure. But it's worth it's worth noting that because that's sort of if you someone was probably like, well, how do I get more objective cards? If they're not surges, you score your end phase objectives and then you can trash as much as you want. Okay. Um, and this actually works out really well. The way that it, it works out is you usually see 10 objective cards. I would say 10 to 12 you see every game because mm -hmm. you're going to naturally see probably nine, right? Because you're, you're, you're probably not carrying one through most of the time. Um, but on, so on average, you're going to see nine cause you're going to discard some, you're going to surge some. Sure. Generally you're going to see 10 and sometimes you're going to see all 12, 11 wow. or 12. Um, so that's kind of cool, right? Cause you can always count on seeing most of your deck and that's equally true of the power deck. You're usually going to see 16 of those cards. Okay. Um, and sometimes you see more than 16 of them. Um, I mean, which is important, you, right? Because you want to you want to know that you're going to see your cards. You're going to know, you know, because and and the thing too is right. Like even if you get the card you want, you might not be in a position to score it at this moment in the game. And I should say you're going to see 15, right? Because you ideally you want to play or discard all five of them every round, right? <laughs> Unless you have one that you want to carry through, especially if you're digging for a specific upgrade. Sure. Um, cause I'll tell you, spending an action to draw a power card feels real bad. You don't want it. That's not what you want to be spending your one twelfth of your game doing. Right. Yeah. No shit. Um, but, um, so you're going to see 15 of them usually. Um, and that, that affects the math of your deck building too. Right. And that's why you generally aren't going to put more than 20 cards in that deck. Because if you already know you're only generally going to see three quarters of them, you really want to tune that thing to 20 cards. Okay. All right. All right. So now, now we'll go back to the cool stuff. Uh, so we talked about charged out, right? So now I'm going to tell you, Paul, about a rule you're really going to like because I remember – so the thing, the reason I bounced off this game, the two reasons I bounced off was that charged out thing where you like would often spend activations doing nothing. Right. Um, and then the other thing was drawing cards 
that you couldn't fucking use. Yo, that's the worst. Uh, okay, so let's talk about that. So we talked about the fact that you can spend an action now to just like it's it's to ditch a ditch an objective card and draw a new one. You can always spend an action and do that. Okay. But in a power step, you can you can always take an action to, or any power step. Remember we passed back and forth playing cards. Uh-huh. One of the things you can always do is salvage. Okay. Salvage, in my opinion, is the best mechanical rule they made to this game. So a lot of upgrades and cards have a restriction printed on the bottom that restrict them to a model. Okay. Right? So you can only play it on that model. If your card has a restriction that says you can only play it on that model and that model is dead for free during a power step, you can throw it in the trash and draw a new card. Oh, that's good. It is immense it doesn't sound like a lot but the game didn't used to be that way and so if you drew a card for a dead model it was just a wah 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 you're just stuck with the card right and it's clogging your hand it was terrible and and it was what caught again i think it was that happening to me and having like three cards in my hand that i couldn't play going into my third round i was just like fuck this game yeah um so that salvage rule really is a big part of what saved this game for me. Um, the the combination of the charged out and the salvage. And then the next thing we're going to talk about, because the next thing we're going to talk about is actually why I decided to give the game another chance. Okay. I'm excited to and hear so this. this. This gets to the release model of the game and the formats of the game. All right. Ooh, this is a big conversation. So there's three ways to play this game right now well four ways but no one plays the fourth way my understanding is no one really plays the fourth way um the three ways that you play the game are rivals nemesis and championship and then the fourth one is relic okay okay are you ready for this paul i am (laughs) it's so cool rivals when you say hey do you want to play a game of rivals what that means is there's no deck building at all okay when you pick up this game now, you so if you were to go and buy a warband box off the shelf, that warband comes with the models that it needs to fight and its rivals deck. It has no universal cards in it, Paul. Oh, okay. They are only the cards for that warband specifically. Okay. So that that means if you don't like a warband. You don't have to fucking buy it. Are you reading the questions I'm writing down? (laughs) I might have (laughs) been. Because if you don't want to buy a warband, don't fucking buy it. It doesn't have any cards you will ever need in it. Okay. That was, that's one of the things that I was worried about. Because I feel like that was a concern initially when the game launched. It was. It was. People bought every warband to have every card. Right. Like the, like X-Wing did. Um, uh So... Are there are there universal cards? Yes. Okay. Are, we'll, we'll get into how that works. Are they are they coming in like the season box or whatever you want to call it? They 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 are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and also one other way that we'll talk about. Sure. Because there are ne- there there are cons. There are cons. It, 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 the the universal rivals decks that don't come in the season boxes are a pro and a con, and we'll okay. talk about that in a second. 
So when we when you say we're going to play Rivals, you can play with the Rivals deck that comes with your Warband, or you can play with any Universal Rivals deck. Okay. So you can say there's a there's a Universal Rivals deck called Beastbound Assault. You can say I'm playing this Warband with Beastbound Assault, or I'm playing this Warband with Force of Frost, or or uh, um, Fearsome Fortress. There's a whole bunch of them, right? You can sure. be like I'm playing with this one. And, but it just means there's no deck building. You're playing with a Rivals deck. A Rivals deck is 12 objective cards and 20, 20 uh, power cards, period. That's how they work. That's how they release. All right. This is amazing. Think about what this does for the Christmas morning test. These are push fit models and there's no deck building. You push fit the models together. You shuffle the cards and you're playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like I'm, I'm gonna go out from from one step further than that because then there's people like me who just don't like deck building, you know, building yeah. card decks, and uh, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. Let me let me tell you, Paul. There's a format for you. Ooh, okay. And it's it's not rivals. Rivals is great. Uh, I like to think of of Nemesis as the John Cusack of card game formats. <laughs> it's the every. It's the everyman. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do we got here? So here's how Nemesis works. When you sit down to your across from your opponent and you say, do you want to play a game of Nemesis? What you are agreeing to is you will take your Warbands, you will take your Warbands Rivals deck and you will take one Universal Rivals deck Mm -hmm. and you will combine those decks any way you see fit. Okay. That's it. So generally what that means is you are going to make one 12 card objective deck and one 20 card power deck out of those two decks. Okay. So you get to do a little deck building and a little, and a little bit of customization, but you're not looking at the entire breadth of every card that's out. Right. You are looking at, a the sum total of 24 objectives and 40 power cards and paring down half of each. Okay, I think I could handle that. Exactly. This format, I man, when when Skylar described to me what Nemesis was, I was like, fucking sign me up. Like this is amazing. I don't have to like sit and look and think about hundreds of cards and combinations and interactions. I can just look at two sets of cards and combine them in a way that I think will be good. Yeah. I like it. And then I can, and then I can, and the cool thing about this is if you think about how this works, I can play a game and then be like, nah, I didn't like that one card. Mm -hmm. It didn't work for me. Is there a card I can just swap this with in the pile from these two decks and then swap that in and try again? Okay. And it's not, again, it's not like I didn't like this card. What card out of a thousand should I put in? Right. You know what I mean? Because yep. if you're playing a CCG, it can be that vast or vaster. Right. Um, here, it's just, you know, what what in this very restricted card pool, it's that thing. It's that, that thing where it takes a restriction. The restriction is one rival's deck, one universal rival's deck. How can I make the best deck out of these two? Right. Well, and, and I mean, for, for somebody like me, right, who, who, um, does not necessarily enjoy deck building, but will give it a go. Uh, like yeah. that's a sweet spot for me, right? Because it allows me to have the fun of, you know, deck building slash list building, um, without having to get into every last card that's out there. 
Exactly. So, like, give that to me. And that's, the, you know, that's, like, one of the things I liked about Flesh and Blood is, like, yeah, there's lots of you're cards. You're your hero. But you're basing it on your hero, so it's eliminating a yeah. lot of cards. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. That is a very, very, very freeing thing about Flesh and Blood. And even more freeing in Commoner, because then you're cutting out all the rares, Majestics, and Legendaries. Right. Um. But yes, it, it is that it is that way. It's very, very cool that way. Okay, so the the last formats to talk about are Championship and Relic, which are very similar. Okay. Uh, and Championship and Relic say you can pull cards from. Uh, well, Relic is you can pull cards from your you pull cards from your your Warband's deck, and then any Universal cards <laughs> that you want, basically. Oh, interesting. Um, and, and rivals is a little bit, or, or not rivals. Sorry, uh, relic is a little more restrictive because the cards also have to match your um, the oh, what do they call it? The Grand Alliance. Okay. So yeah, either you know, death, chaos, uh-huh. whatever, whatever. So it has to match your. It has to match your. Be universal and match your um, wh- whatever your Grand Alliance is. That's kind of how relic works. Okay. Um, but uh, championship. The way championship works is instead of worrying about Grand Alliance stuff, there are seasons in this game. And Nemesis actually uses the seasons too. And so the way that seasons work are... So remember we, t- we talked about how the seasons are... They have the name, like Death Gorge, right. Shade Spire, Night Vault, I think Beard I think Hollow. Beef Grave was the best one. Beef Grave? <laughs> Beast Grave. Yeah. Beast Grave, yep. Um, so how this works, right now, e- each season is effectively six months. Right. And there are always two years worth of seasons that are legal. Okay. So if I, so death gorge is the newest season. So if I go and buy death gorge, Mm -hmm. the war bands and the war bands, universal rivals decks will be legal forever. Okay. The universal rivals decks will be legal for two years. Okay. Gotcha. And and after two years, they fall out of rotation. All right. And that works for Nemesis. So when you're doing Nemesis, you take a your Warbands deck and a legal Universal Rivals deck. So one of the decks that is currently in, in rotation. Okay. Not, has not been rotated out. Makes sense. And the way Championship works is in Championship, you can build a deck with your Warband and then any cards from the universal rivals decks makes sense and that gives you a much a much wider card pool there are some restrictions in championship too the thing about it is it's complicated because there are things called plot cards inside of um that like the the universal rivals decks can have what are called plot cards Uh and if you have a plot card once you take a plot card that is the only deck you can use with a plot card all right. So like Breakneck Slaughter has a plot card as an example. It's like a, it's a deck with a plot card and there might be another I can't think of an example of another one right now that has a plot card, but I couldn't take cards from both of them once I took one of them. Right. It's called being plot locked. 
And, okay. the, and, and so champ, championship has pretty, you know, it has a little bit more uh, restrictive, but the way that that works is it lets them balance the, these universal decks so that they can't make broken combinations between them. So they can print a plot card and then the plot card lets them print maybe a little bit more powerful cards sure. in that deck because they know they can't be mixed with other plot locked decks. I like it. Um, I like, that's, but that's, that, how that's good stuff. Works. I, that's like, that's pretty yeah. smart though. Exactly. And so championship is based. So it's basically like you have you, you have rivals, which is fucking plug and play. You build the models, shuffle the cards, play the game. Mm-hmm. And rivals is really fun because the, the, the warband decks are hella thematic. They're hella thematic. Right. The new ones. Um, and then you have nemesis, your deck, universal deck, smash them together. However you want, play a game championship, full blown deck building. Uh huh. Uh, and those are your three formats. And okay. that's the game. And that's the release model. So the release model is every six months, we get a season box. So the season box has two war bands. Those war bands decks, the Universal Rivals deck, two boards, and all the tokens you need to play the game in the dice. Okay. So in theory, so that- if you buy every one of those seasons, you're going to end up with quite a collection of boards options. You are. You are. Um, 100%. And also, the boards rotate, too. I didn't mention that. Oh, okay. The boards rotate with the cards. Okay. So you always have two years' worth of boards that you can play. Sure. Um, and, the, and then the boards rotate out. <clears throat> um, but that's good, too, right? Yeah. Um, that the boards rotate. Because the boards can be pretty restrictive based on, like, lethal hexes. And there might be rules that were on the boards that aren't really rules in the game anymore, etc. Uh, sure. like, like, like some like spots that do special things. Um, like this, this current season death gorge has like frozen stuff and they may rotate that frozen stuff out yeah. once the, once death gorge rotates in two years. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so that's the one thing that happens. You get the season box. Okay. And then, and then, so that's the first part of the six month season. And then in the preceding six months before, until the next season is released, mm-hmm. you get two warband boxes. And so again, those warband boxes are ignorable if you don't like the warbands because it's the models and the, and the deck. Okay. And Good. then, and then, and then there are two universal rivals decks. And so I will say everything I've mentioned so far, massive plus. I love it. Yeah. I don't mind. I think if a game, a living game, is asking me to spend $90 every six months to play it, fuck it. I get models. I get cards. Game on. I'm here all day. Because that's what a season box costs. Right. It's 90 bucks. Right. And, and, and really, you know, if you go to a fair retailer or Amazon, it's like 85 bucks. Sure. Um, like again, uh, Valhalla hobby. Noah is a saint, uh, $85 for a season box. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm in, man. I get my models. I get to play. I get to paint my models. I love this game. I'm into it. That is perfect. And then show me two warband boxes that I can ignore or buy. If I like, I love it. Right. Also, I love that the these Universal Rivals decks that are sold separately out of the box are ignorable. Technically, if one of these comes out and you're like, 
I'm ne- if, if if like me, I think what I'm going to be is forever. I'm going to be a nemesis player. I'm going to be the player that's playing nemesis. Right. The format where you take two decks and smash them together. So if I don't like one of these decks and I don't have a warband that this deck need this deck needs, I'm not going to buy. It. I'm just not going to buy it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to buy it. Options. I like um, it. They're options. But here's the thing that, that I'm going to. We've talked about these decks a lot. They're they're 32 cards, right? Mm-hmm. Paul, what do you think a fair price for 32 cards is? Uh, ten, I'm, 10 bucks? Yeah. 15 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I'm going to base this comparison on Marvel Champions. If you are a Marvel Champions player and you buy a new hero, you get a 60-card playable out of the blister deck for $16. Okay. That sounds like a deal yeah. in, the, in the year of our Lord 2023. No shit. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for a 60 card deck for 17, 16, 17 bucks. Give me that all day. A 32 card universal rivals deck is $29.99. All right. That's not bad. It sucks though. Yeah. It, it, it sucks. It, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, again, this the if we look at Games Workshop as a company and what it costs to play Games Workshop games, if you buy everything for this game for a season, it's ninety for the season box, forty for each warband. How many warbands come out this season then? Two, two outside of the core box. Oh, that's not terrible. So you're spending ninety. And then we're and I, again, I, I think MSRP is ninety five. MSRP on the 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 warbands is forty five, so another ninety. So we're at one eighty right now. And then each of those each of those other decks is thirty dollars, so another sixty. Jeez. So we're at two forty two fifty for a season. Yeah, hear me out. A Warhammer forty k army costs like a thousand dollars or right. more, right? So. If it costs $240 every six months to be a completionist for this game, that's cheaper than playing a TCG. Right. And it's cheaper than playing most miniatures games for most hobbyists. Right. Let's that's the key. Honest. That's the key for hobby for ho- most hobbyists, right? Because nobody's ever just done with their army. 100%. Let's be honest. Yep. Um, so this this game is is pretty much a bargain to play, especially when if you're just playing Rivals or Nemesis, a lot of those purchases are ignorable. Right. Um, and it, it, it if for example you love one of the warbands that comes out of the season box, you buy the season box and then the additional sixty for the two Universal Rivals decks, and you are fully up to date with every possible playable card for Championship. Right. That's not bad. That's that's a hundred and forty ish dollars to be fully competitive for six months. Every six months, that's actually pretty great. Um, in in terms of what this hobby realistically costs most hobbyists, I right. think it's actually really fair. Especially, I mean, especially if you're like looking at forty k players who are buying, you know, meta changing lists every couple months or whatever. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Exactly. Or even like a, a, a even a Malifaux player who's like, you know what? Uh, I've been playing this keyword for a month. 
I'm going to spend $175 on a new keyword. Right. <laughs> like it, it and, and let, let's be on everyone. Listen to this. Be honest with yourself. You do that. Yep. <laughs> like it, it's it, it, like a hundred percent. You do that. If you don't, um, you the, have, you are a, a you are a unicorn. You are, you are, there are the disciplined war gamer is the unicorn. Yep. Um, most of us spend way too much money. Um, and the th- here's the thing I bought in. So I bought in, right? And I am, I'm way in at this point. And here, here's my total spend. I bought Death Gorge. I bought it from Noah. So I got a real good price. Mm-hmm. I bought the Headsman's Curse. I bought that. I bought, I, I will say it was $35. I bought it from Noble Knight. Um, and I, I paid with it with store credit. So, you know, do with that what you will. But so, so even if I was spending real money, my total spend on the game so far, um, where I would be is like a hundred and fifteen dollars, right? Sure. So we're at one fifteen, and then I bought two Universal Rivals decks mm-hmm. that were I bought them for nineteen each because I got them at at Valhalla Hobby and and Noble Knight respectively, and they have good prices on these things. So I got them for nineteen ninety nine a piece. So another forty. Um, and then I also bought uh, a Warband from my buddy Oliver. Um, and that's it. And where I'm at right now, I'm good. Like, I literally don't have to buy anything else because I'm only playing Nemesis. Right. And I I bought the Universal decks that I did specifically to make Nemesis pairings with the Warbands that I'm playing. And I'm spoiled for choice, Paul, because (laughs) I have the two Warbands that came with Death Gorge, Uh the very cool, dirty Orc Warband I bought from Oliver, my super ghosts. Oh, I also spent 30 on the starter kit from Barnes and Noble. I should, I'm not going to ignore that. That's another $30 I spent, but that also came with two more war bands. Yeah. So, no, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I've spent, I've spent j- just, just south of $200, I think, after everything was said and done. And I have like six or seven war bands and four Universal Rivals decks to smash nemesis decks together right with my five different warbands so i have like over 20 something combinations of 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 things that i can make between universal rivals decks and my and and my warband rivals decks uh like i'm set until stuff comes out that i can either ignore or buy to play nemesis right um and and for me it, it's like a Goldilocks situation, right? Because like, I don't want to spend a lot more than that on miniatures games right now because I, I know myself and I know once I have a painting backlog, I get a freeze and it, and I, I get paralysis and I can't paint anything. Yep. Um, and these models are, these, these war bands are three to seven models a piece <laughs> and I, and I can paint them at the pace by which I get inspired to play them. Right. Um, it's so good. Um, and also, like, if I decide I don't want to play Sirenized Razors, which is one of the warbands that came in Death Gorge, I can probably find a local and be like, hey, you want the Rivals deck and the Sprue for like 30 bucks? And they'll be like, yes. Um, and then that's a Universal Rivals deck or a warband that I can buy. Right. Like, it's just, it's fine. I, I'm very happy with the spend on this game right now. And I don't know how you feel about it. Now, now I've given you the full divulge of what it costs to play and what it's like to play the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me, part of it too, is like, it's, it's GW, right? Like that's a, that's a, that's a tough sell Mm -hmm. for me. 
You know that. Yep. Um, I do. And you know, it 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 feels like if you are interested in GW's stuff, that this might mm-hmm. be the ideal way to go. Right. I th- I think outside of Warcry, it's their best game. Yeah. Like, so be, it, being it's not even it's not even close because being able to you know it, it, and it would like allow you to play in the world. Mm-hmm. Right, without actually having to invest in a full on like AOS. And and have even a faction identity. You wanna play orcs? Right. Fucking buy the orc warbands. You wanna you wanna play with the the uh Ideneth Deep Deepkin? Hell yeah, buy the Ideneth Oh, warbands. I wanna play with Ideneth Deepkin. Dude, the, so Death Gorge, the new box. When we're done here, I'm going to have you look up the Sirenized Razors. That's the warband that comes with them. Mm-hmm. One of it's a one of it's a a forty mil base with a giant octopus oh <laughs> called Stefan here, and the octopus is a little shit, by the way. <laughs> I'm I'm on I'm a, on board with that. I like it. It is it is a pain in the ass. It has this phase ink that allows it to just like boop. Just kidding. That's not where I am anymore. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it's real. Because cool. I I and all right. Okay. Go ahead. Let's hold on now, because now, now we're now we want to. I wanted to talk. I wanted to sell you on how cool and thematic this game is, and we're going to do it right now because you're already interested in this warband because it's Ideneth Deepkin, sure, and they have an octopus. Yeah, I'm in on that. <sighs> I like. Octopus. All right, here All right. we go. Go ahead. Their their inspiration mechanic is complicated. Okay. But once it settles onto you, what it's doing, you're going to be like, oh fuck, that's cool. Um. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I'm going to try and do this from memory because I don't have the cards in front of me. So the inspire text on the front of these four cards, because there's four, four in the war band says, if, if this is game round one and you have finished your third activation, inspire all your models. Okay. During the end phase, they uninspire. All right. Okay. The next sentence is if, if it is the second round and you have a- finished activating your second model, uh-huh. inspire all your models. Uh-huh. In the in the end phase, uninspire them all. Uh-huh. If you have activated your first model uh-huh. and it is the third round, inspire all your models. Yeah, I like that. That's fun. It's the tide. Yep. Right? And the tide has to go all the way in mm-hmm. for the first round. Halfway in for the second round, yep. and partially in for the third round. Yep. I, that's so you ins- cool. you inspire with the tide. It's so it's so fucking cool, man. Yeah, I like um, that. And so here here and now I want to tell you about the other war band in this box, the Thrice Fold Discord. Oh, okay. So you you might guess this is three models, uh-huh. the Thrice Fold Discord. They are Slaneshi, of course. They are three demons who they the reason they're in the Death Gorge is that the uh cohort of Slanesh army they were attached to was fucking sick of them bickering all the time. Jeez, oh, okay. All these three models did was talk shit. All these three characters did is talk shit to each other constantly. And the army was like, get the fuck out of here, go find treasure in the Death Gorge, huh. do this thing. Funny. These three models hate each other, Paul. They hate each other. Okay. And so the inspiration mechanic is, and each one specifically hates one of the other ones. Oh, that's fun. Okay. That's fun. And so so the way they inspire is if X 
model rolls no successes, Y model inspires. Hmm. So they're like, huh, you fucking suck. I inspire. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like if one of them does horribly, the one that's watching the other one to fail and gets better and inspires. Right. Huh. Again, amazing theme. Like the theming on these models is so good. It's so good. Um, and that's and, and all the modern war bands are like that. Right. All the all the modern war bands have really thematic, like deeply thematic um, inspiration mechanics, and then deeply, deeply, deeply thematic um, uh, objective cards. Cards. And so now I'll talk a little bit about my war band, and then we'll get going because this this is running really long. Um, so my war band, the Headsman's Curse. We talked about them, and so now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them. Yeah, they are the wielder of the blade. Okay. The sharpener of the blade, the scripter of the sentence, and the bearer of the block. That is the four night haunt models in my warband. Sure. Their inspiration mechanic is based around getting three condemned counters. I have to earn three condemned counters. I earn a condemned counter by killing a model that is condemned. Uh-huh. I also earn condemned models. I can gain additional condemn counters. The way I gain additional condemn counters is if when I would gain a condemn counter, if that attack was supported, I gain an additional condemned counter. Okay. And if that model was a large model, meaning it had five wounds or more, I also get an additional condemned counter. Huh. So if you're keeping track, that means there there is a way potentially for me to get three condemned counters from killing one model and then inspiring my whole team. Right. Okay. So here's what my models do. The, we talked about the bearer of the block. He, when he is supporting, he gives cleave. So he makes the defenses really bad for the model. He's sitting next to the scripter of the sentence has a ranged attack and when I attack you, doesn't matter if I hit you or not, when I attack you, I can make a reaction to give you a condemned counter. And if you're thinking about the models, Paul, he's the guy pointing at the sheet of paper. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was thinking he would be. Yes. That that's he's he's like, you, you die. <laughs> that's that guy. Your turn. You, you're gonna die. Your turn to die. He condemns models. Right. The sharpener of the blade, <laughs> piece of shit, two wound models. Two one model, but has an ability. When it activates, it can put a wet counter on the leader of my warbound. So he can he's a, he can basically wet the blade. Okay. So so you're following W H E T wet. Yes. Right, like a wet stone. Yep. So he sharpens the blade for the wielder of the blade. Okay. The wet stone gives him plus one damage until he hits. Most things in this game are for the next activation or for the next action, and then they fall off. Mm -hmm. This is plus one damage until he fucking hits something. Oh, okay. And and then we get to the wielder of the blade, who is a five-wound monster that rolls two dice looking for hammers. So two dice looking for – so two dice on 50-50s. And when he hits, he does three damage. Most models in this game, Paul, have three or four wounds. Right. I would say 80% of models have either two, three, or four wounds. Yeah, so he's doing some good damage, eh? 
So with a whetstone, he is killing almost everything in the game. Right. In one shot. Yep. All right. So, and we're not done. We're not done here. <laughs> uh, because there, there, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So, so the, on the surface, now you see this is a, this is an aggro war band that has a pretty specific order of operations. Right. And that order, order of operations is sharpen the blade, condemn a model, get next to the model you're going to kill, charge and kill that model. Right. Beat the shit out of it. That's, quick. that's what we're doing. And we're using our cards to get the model we want in position to kill that model and get the condemn counter off of it and earn our thing. Right. That, huh. That's cool, right? So now let me tell you about some of the things that I can do. One of the models I have, one of the cards I have is like a scapegoat card. And so what it does is until the end of the round, it gives that model five wounds and makes it large. Okay. And you're like, well, why is that cool? Well, the reason it's cool is because when I try to condemn it, I'm attacking it and I'm going to probably do a damage. Right. When I charge with the bearer of the block to get next to it to support it, I'm probably going to do some damage. Right. And then I have the whetstone. So even if you have five wounds, I've probably hit you to do one or two damage and I'm charging at you to do three or four. Yeah. And so that card basically gives me a one-shot Inspire for my whole team. And once my team inspires, they get very hard to kill. They do lots of extra dumb shit. Um, so that's super cool, right? So now let me tell you about what, in my opinion, is the coolest part about this warband. The action on the headsman, the, 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 guy, the bearer of the blade, the wielder of the blade... The sword is called Terminus, okay. which which is the, the Latin meaning basically the end of the road, uh -huh. <laughs> right? Uh, and so if you look at the model, at the at the end of Terminus, there is there are spirits coming off of the blade because when he swings Terminus, he kills things. Right. And so the reaction to Terminus is if when Terminus hits and kills an opposing model – uh -huh. If any of my chain rasps are out of action, I can instantly resurrect them in the space that I just beheaded the model. Oh. And so what that means is I'm conscripting their soul to do the thing of the model that I've lost. Right. So if I've lost the bearer of the block and I kill a model, I can make a new bearer of the block out of the spirit of the model that I just killed. Huh. How fucking cool is that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like it. It's rad. It is rad, man. Um, and their objectives are all about killing models with condemn counters. And like, you know what I mean? They're all very thematic to doing the things that I want to do. One of them is called, one of the, the objectives is called like savoring the inevitable. Uh -huh. uh, and that, that card is in the end phase. If two of your models are adjacent to an enemy model, I score a victory point. Oh, because okay. if two of my models are adjacent to you, that means the headsman is coming in to cut your head off, right? And right. so you're savoring the kill. Um, and it's just like – and all of the stuff is like that, right? Like all of the objectives are are deeply tied in to the things that you're going to be doing. Uh, and that's, again, true for every warband. And uh, <clears throat> I'm getting a sore throat, so I uh, – <laughs> 
because I've, I've you know talked about this game for like two hours now and i feel like there's still things i want to talk about there's like still cool there's rules we didn't cover there's cool war bands we didn't cover there's cards we didn't cover um but the game is just in a very good state i think as good as it's ever been and i think in a position where it's the best time to jump in if you've ever been curious about it is what I'll say. And that's actually, I think my, that sums up my final thoughts about the game. So here's, here's one of the things that I'm, I'm going to say is that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's definitely stuff in GW's realm that like I'm interested in. Like, I think the Iden at Deepkin are awesome. Right. But, you know, anytime I'm like, Oh, you know, they have like the starter box. It's like 130 bucks. I could totally go in on like 130 bucks and, you know, dick around with the game. But then I start thinking, yep. but then I have no rules for the game. And then it starts adding up really quick at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this, you know, like to just kind of put your feet in the world. This actually seems like yeah. a pretty decent way to do it. I so I hadn't even considered that. But yeah, if you just if you love games workshops lore and you just want to step in without having to like get into the the thing that is their full war games Mm -hmm. boy this is a really good way to do it especially if you like age of sigmar and like let's be real age of sigmar is really fucking cool yeah it's their best it's their best world right now (laughs) i'm not gonna gonna argue you said it i'm not gonna argue though no no, Um, it's true i mean even even when you know chris and i were playing that you know, a little more, uh, well, at the time it was somewhat regularly. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It definitely, it, to me, it was a lot more fun than what 40K was putting out at the time. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's very characterful, very fun. The whole world is very, it's so vibrant. Um, well, and I think. And the lore is so cool. Like all the, all the like, whenever you read a piece of lore about any faction in AOS, you're like, that's really cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yep, uh, and yeah. and I mean, like even looking at the the Deepkin models that come in that set, they're really they're really cool models, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. and Sirenai is really cool, Sephanir is cool, and even the two Scrubs are awesome, right? And like looking at that, it's like, all right, well that that seems fairly reasonable. Like you can you can live with that, right? But like to go mm-hmm. and be like, oh well, now I need you know this starter box, and now I need this rule book, and blah blah blah, and 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 and. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is, this is like, you know, I've been successful with say MCP of going, you know what? I'm only interested in playing these guys. This is all I'm buying. Right. Like, yeah. And I, so we, I, we have a guy in our locals that only plays orcs. Yeah. So he buys, he buys the season box. So he has the universal decks and the boards that he needs. Mm-hmm. And then he only buys orcs. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if no orcs come out, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no it makes sense. Deal. That's the way to, I mean, that's, that's definitely the way to do it. Like I could. Like I could totally see myself like getting a war band, you know, and just occasionally dicking around in the world. Highly recommended. Like I highly recommend. Like like those those Ideneth guys look awesome enough that like yeah I could be in on that. But let me let me ask you another question. Let me ask you a question. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm clearly I'm poking around on the GW site. Um, yep. When I go to Underworlds, it only lists ten yep. items. Am I doing yeah. something wrong or is like all the old stuff out of print now? Most of the old stuff's out of print. Interesting. Yep. This is this is just GW things, Paul. Just GW For things. sure. So like do people like buy the old ones? Do people like look for them or? 
So they they, they do. Um, the old war bands are can be unfortunately very expensive. Um, but the nice thing is is that the legal seasons are all things you can find for MSRP at FLGSs and on Amazon. Sure, sure. Um, so if you want anything that's current, it's you're you're like straight up good to go. What about? Um... Are the models like dual purpose? Are they usable in Age of Sigmar as well? Yes. And I think a lot of them actually have war cry rules too. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like um, what will happen is the white dwarfs will come out and the white dwarfs will be like, here are the war cry rules for X warband. Oh, whatever. yeah. G- GWA so. and getting it by the magazine. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that and that, I guess that was going to be one of my other questions for you, Chops. How... And I mean, I guess you've kind of answered it, but as far as it being on the, because I mean, it's on the 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 current like GW seasons um, uh, pattern or whatever you know uh, uh, way of going about and doing things, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that? I don't know. It just it it that feels like such an oppressive cycle, right? Six months in war in minis gaming is not a very long time um so it's like there's a lot of stuff coming out do you feel like with underworlds being a smaller scale that that makes it have less of an impact and might actually uh improve this the the feel of it i I think it's i think it's fine i think six months so if you think about think about magic the gathering let's just just, let's, let's just consider magic the gathering for a second Magic the Gathering has four standard sets per year. Right. Well, you know what? Fuck it. We're not, let's not talk about Magic. You, I'm a Flesh and Blood player. Let's talk about Flesh and Blood. Okay. Let's do it. Flesh and Blood has three major set releases per year. Right. So we're talking about a major set release and an, an, an injection of somewhere between 190 and 260 cards into the card pool every three to four months. Right. Which is crazy. Right? It's Right. <laughs> which is why I can't play card games, which is exactly why but, I can't play them. But what I'll tell you is that it feels like an eternity when you're in it. Right. Um, like when you're when you're going out and you're – I'm going out and I'm playing Flesh and Blood once or twice a week. It feels like an eternity waiting for the next set. Like right now, the next set, Heavy Hitters, that has Brutes, Guardians, and Warriors – I'm like, can it be fucking the end of January right now? Because I need these cards. Right. Like it like slap my veins. Let's go. I need them. Um, and so I, I and this is all to say that I think six months is actually a pretty generous amount of time for the game to breathe. Right. As they release things and inject cards in, knowing that every two like at two years, the cards cycle out. And so all you have to keep in your mind is what's legal and then you're going to be looking at, you know, at most, um, right, it's it's 32 cards per deck, right? And if we think about it, it's four warbands and four universal thing. So it's it's 32 times eight right. um, per cycle. And <clears throat> even then, you're not necessarily paying attention to all four warbands or all four Universal Rivals decks unless someone's playing them against you. So, like, I think it's actually a pretty relaxed pace, and, if I was to be perfectly honest. And realistically, too, as far as, like, the core sets go, like, if you're like, oh, I have no interest in any of those warbands and I can do without those Universal cards, 
be like, well, I have the board from last year. That's still good. I don't need to buy this at all, right? Or am I? Yeah. Okay. To- no, totally. Uh-huh. So, um, so if nothing in the core box is appealing, yeah, I mean, you really, unless you really, if you don't even want the boards, yeah, it really, you don't have to. So they used to do, and I think this is right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, um, like when the the original set was done, right, the two war bands that were in that set, they then went and, you know, released separately. Does that still happen or no? Um. Yes, it does. Like, you mean like without the cards? Um, like, yeah, yeah. Outside of like the, the big box, right. Then they kind of had their own like warband box, just like all the others. I think, I think they do. I haven't, I don't pay attention to age of Sigmar. So I I don't necessarily know if they do or not. I I would assume so. Um, but then also maybe not because GW is in the business of making money. Um, and they, they kind of want people to buy them with cards that you want be damned. Yeah. Right pay for pay pony up the 42 bucks chump right like they want that money that's true um so and 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 realistically in gw terms you know 42 bucks for four to seven models is like right on the level so it doesn't really matter if it has cards or not if people like the models they're gonna buy them and like as an example i was just on reddit and i saw that someone was there's a there's a, a a box called hexbane's hunters oh yeah i remember that um um, they're actually on the site right now. You yeah. can still buy them from the GW site. Yeah, I just saw and that. Someone was, someone was like converting the Hexbane's Hunters models to be a Mordheim. Oh, cool. Right? So like people buy these models for all sorts of reasons. Sure. Um, not just to play Underworlds. And I think GW knows that too, right? Like that, that's, that's – I think the, the players of this game are beneficiaries of the fact that like lots of people buy these models because they like the models. Sure. Yeah, and and you know, I think I think that's partially what they're feeding into, right? By making them at a reasonable price point. Um, I mean, yeah. quote unquote, reasonable yeah. for GW, right? It it just happens though that these affordable models come with the best game they make. Um, so I feel like it's kind of like GW's best kept secret that like not every GW, not ever. It, it's unfathomable to me that not every AOS player is just playing this game, right? <laughs> because like. You don't have to schlep a bunch of shit with you to the shop. Like, wow, that was a lot of S's. I didn't even mean for that to be so alliterative. That was pretty good. Um, I like it. I like it, though. I mean, that's what I'm going to say. I got to schlep all the shit to the shop. To the shop. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even have to do that. So what I take – so I use one of the core boxes, Uh the season boxes. And inside the season box, I have my decks, my boards – and my tokens. Right. And then I carry a really useful box kind of thing with the models in it. So I, 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 I mean, it fits in, in my – I can put the box in my backpack and then I'm just carrying the box with the models, the magnetized models. And that's it. Right. That's all I take. It's less It's less than I carry to play Flesh and Blood if I'm being honest. Huh. So – because then I'm taking, you know, my thing with my 12 decks, my, my fucking play mats, all my shit like – I, I, I'm not taking very much with me when I when I go out to play this game, which is like I'm going to play a minis game. And I don't have to carry a tote of terrain and like a giant bag full of models. If it's kind of freeing, to be honest. Right. I can see that. So, yeah. 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 Fucking um, man. Warhammer Underworlds. Give the, give the game a try. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we certainly talked about it a whole lot. That's for sure. I did. I did. 
Um, also, um, if I'm going to say this now, I'm, I'm deeply sorry if Paul can't cut out the sound of my hot water heater for the first 20 minutes we were recording. <laughs> so sorry. Well, I, I, I don't. I didn't hear it, so you should be good. Oh, I, ho- I hope so. Um, yeah, I, I hope if you didn't hear it, that means that they won't hear it. Cause like I was in here and I was like, Oh my God. Cause we were like 10 minutes into recording or five. It was like, it was like between seven and 10 minutes into recording maybe in. that I, that, that I was aware of it. <laughs> and then as soon as I was aware of it, I was like, fuck until it turned off. Oh, you'll be, it'll be so all good. It'll be all good. If you heard it, I'm so sorry. No, uh, noise reduction again, is my- helpful. Yeah, my uh, my final thoughts again for for uh, for this game are, man, give it a try. Um, I think that if you played it once and bounced off of it before um, Harrow Deep, I think Harrow Deep is when they made all of the changes to the release model and the rules. Uh-huh. So if you played it before Harrow Deep and you bounced off of it, really give it another look. Um, because I think since Harrow Deep, it's changed in meaningful ways that really improve the play experience from like playing the game to collecting the game to buying the game. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that. Hmm. I like it. I am, this is going to be, this, this is interesting. Um, cause like I said, I, I, I keep going around and kind of poking at GW stuff and being like, you know, I didn't have to buy the rules. This would be something I would be interested in. So this might be a a way to dabble. But you know, on the other hand, I'm so set on uh, conquest right now that I don't know. Maybe I don't even need to. But if I if I, maybe you don't need to. Yeah. But boy, what a it's it's my it's my side game. Yeah. And what a side game. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 good though. You know. Um, I've I've settled so hard on a main game that I don't even want a side game, but, um, that's sick. Yeah. Uh, that's a good position weird. to be in. Very weird, but yeah, it'll, it'll work. I, well, I mean, I was there, I was there for the last two years, right? Like, um, I, I, I you know, I was like in full f- flesh and blood fervor. Um, yep. but like it, 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 I was ready, you know, I was, I was ready for, for a side gig. Uh, and boy, whew, this game really fits the bill for me. Um, well, good. But we'll talk about the other one uh, next time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm excited to hear about that too. Boy, howdy! Uh, Cyberpunk Combat Zone is a hell of a drug. Although, although that might have to that might have to put off into the new year because we have to do our end of the year analysis. Oh, that's true. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. So after end of the year analysis, yep. we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Cyberpunk because and maybe I will have played three or four or seven more games by then. Three or four or seven good more boards. games. Good lord, the game is really fucking fun, man. That's good. Yeah, I mean the pictures that you sent look great. Um Ooh, it's so good. Oh, and one last one last side note here. Um I have gotten very good at keeping track of my games on BG sets. Hell yeah. Um also yeah. My last four uh, games. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Not a sponsor, BG Stats, the best board gaming app ever. Go download that shit. They need they they deserve your money and you should pay them. It's real fucking good. It's a pretty cool app. It tells you a lot. Mm-hmm. Like most of my games happen on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Mine are uh it's funny. It's 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 Sunday and Thursday for me, which are the days I the day I play with the kids and the day I play Flesh and Blood. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, um, uh, first of all, thanks to Static as a City for the music. 
Um, thanks to our patrons. Um, and if you want, come join our Discord. It really is the best Discord in the world. Um, and we we look forward to seeing you there. And, and we'll see you uh, the next time we get together and chat. Bye.